Welcome to the Room for Error podcast. This is episode number five now. I'm with my brother from another mother, Dan Harmson. How you doing today, buddy? Welcome all. I'm doing good. I'm 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 doing refre- surprisingly very well for it being a post post game day. Yeah. No no uh, post mortem terrible hangover. I was probably in worse shape than the worst shape out of either of us, but um, you know it's it's to be expected every now and then. Well, what what time? I don't. I missed you. What time did you get to the tailgate yesterday? We didn't. Shoot, what? I think we left Nevada about eleven, and we kind of showed up about eleven thirty. We stopped at Amos's and had a couple. Um, and I kind of ushered the girls out pretty quick because they you know, like to sit there and linger. And then we went to Carolyn um, Weiniger's son's. Um, bus like they have this they have this diesel bus they found and painted it gray and it's just it's this pretty cool little piece of machinery and they found it on like craigslist or some like website or something for 800 bucks like the, the motor in that thing alone is worth two thousand dollars really yeah and they split it between like eight or nine people or something like that so we went there and um you know that it yeah, it was fun, and then we uh, stopped at the Nevada tailgate and went inside, so it didn't... Uh, well, I didn't know if the reason I saw you in the state you were in was, was because of the rain... De- we could blame the rain delay on that again or not, or, or just because you really decided to tie one on. No, I mean, I didn't really even feel all that drunk, truthfully, until about halftime, I remembered it starting to... Yeah, that's when I about saw you. And yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we say. started double-fisting them. Um, for the last half of the game, and that end zone club will get you. That'll do it. Yeah, it uh, it caught up with me pretty quick, but that's okay. No biggie. I I still had fun. Not worried about it. Not worried about it at all. But anyways, so uh, we're sitting down here in in Cole's basement on Sunday evening, and uh, I guess we'll kick it off here. We're watching the Packers. Uh, they were laying a smackdown on Dallas. Dallas has made a charge here. We're watching some playoff baseball. Uh, Braves just uh, wrapped up the Cardinals to take a 2-1 series lead, headed back to Atlanta, I believe. Um, actually, no, that's that's wrong. I think they I think they stay in St. Louis for one more game, but I could be wrong. I couldn't tell you. Um, we got the Nats and Dodgers on right now. Um, surely Green Bay is going to be setting up victory formation here. They were up, uh, what was it, like 31 to three at one point. It's 34-24 now for and no timeouts left. For those of you who maybe didn't get to watch, but I uh, I took. Packers plus plus three this afternoon or uh, yesterday before the game started, and I wish I would have bet my house on them because I think I saw a stat on a pregame show or something like that that said Aaron Rodgers is undefeated in Jerry World, like has not lost in Jerry World. Really? Or like maybe not even Jerry World, like against against the Cowboys just in general, has not lost to the Cowboys. That's not entirely surprising because he does seem – It's like yeah. – when, when you have big opponents, things like that, you know, that's typically when he seems to show out. It's usually, knowing Green Bay, it's, you know, they're playing Cincinnati or some other dog shit team like that, and that's where they fall apart. Yeah, usually. It seems to be how it works more often than not. But um, anyways, well, we'll get into it here. I got a cocktail of the month. I just kind of whipped something up here real quick for uh, for Dan and I. And I uh, it's my own little uh, blend here, just kind of stuff I found in my cabinet that I thought would go together. And uh, I thought I was going to name it something kind of funny and maybe a little dirty, but I'll kind of I'll keep it PG here. But uh I'll call it uh I'll call it the prom night panty dropper. How about that? Still you're ridiculous. <laughs> so what it is is it's a shot of about a shot and a half of gin, a shot and a half of vodka, some raspberry um sparkling water like the Fairway brand raspberry waters, um about 
three or four squirzes, squirts, squirzes, squeezes of uh, lemon juice and then some orange juice in it as well. And it kind of tastes like some some fruit punch and yeah, it's it's pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. It's not it's not yeah, too, it's sweet, but that, it's not too terribly sweet. No, it, yeah, it's something that you know a whole bunch of 16 year old girls could get drunk off of coal. Yeah, well, you know, I'm right I'm, about, I'm about out of whiskey. Hey man, if it does the trick, then more you know the more the merrier, man. I, I'm not. I told I, him when I drank this, I said it tastes like high school. I love reminiscing. I love being nostalgic. That is what this podcast is all about: revisiting <laughs> nostalgia, baby. Oh goodness! So that's uh, that's where, my. Where are we starting off? Since I, I, don't I didn't know, get man. my handy dandy rundown this today. Yeah, well, I kind of just figured you could kind of use one of your old ones as as maybe just like a template. And I just need, I get need your clear directions. Come on, get your yeah. Well, you kind of are stupid, so that makes sense. Um, but no, I guess we'll, we'll just kind of lead with what we always lead with. Um, our cyclone and Hawkeye reaction, and and where we start here is um the domination that that kind of took place in Ames on Saturday. Uh, for a majority of the day, uh, it was really nice to see. I texted Dan and predicted early in the day that it would be a 24 to 28 TCU victory. I had uh, predicted that it would be um, soggy field conditions would even the odds a little bit. It would slow our passing game down. Um, I predicted that we would have a tough time stopping the run, especially with Max Duggan coming in for a little miniature homecoming against a team that recruited him and he was willing to or, you know, potentially going to pull out all the stops and throw something at us we'd never seen before. Well, needless to say, that did not happen. And I'm, wrong. I was so glad like that. I It's one of those scenarios where you're just, yeah, you're dead wrong and you're not upset about it at all. Well, I just like to, you know, when you're wrong, I like to let you know, because you also told us that Iowa State was going to lose to ULM. And, and how'd that work out for you? I'm going to keep predicting they lose because that seems to work out pretty effing great for us, doesn't it? And, and I just want to read, you know, a series of text messages here. Cole. Lay it Cole, on me. He goes, prediction. I say, I I never have the guts to go out there. I said, ISU will have some points and TCU will have less points. I felt good about the matchups, things like that. And Cole, here we go. I said, actually, part of me actually thinks Iowa State shows up and can win by 10. Things are bound to go right at some point. Good call. Here we go from Cole. Soggy field conditions make us one-dimensional. Passing game struggles. When has our passing game struggled this year? Ever? That's the point, Dan. Like, there's there's a there's a time where it can fall apart a little bit. Okay. Our defense has trouble stopping their run-heavy offense. Second of all, when has Iowa State's defense had any trouble stopping the run this year? Jaquan Bailey was out. Some would make the argument that Zach Peterson's better against the run game anyway. Anyway... So I go, same field conditions that happened against Monroe Cole. Um, I typically think tend to think on a soggy field like that, it tends to favor the offense, especially when you do have still some explosive athletes because on a wet field, the offense, especially receivers, know where they're running, and it's up to the defense to react and make cuts against that. So that was my point in that. Um, and I pointed out that Cyclone defense was very good against a tra- traditional running game. And lo and behold... Um, I think we saw about as complete a game from Iowa State offense, defense, special teams as we have in a long time. I would agree. It was really good. And unfortunately, because of the delay, um, I didn't realize that the the game was going to get moved to ESPN News. So I only got to see the first half when I rewatched it. Stop stirring that. Sorry. <laughs> so I unfortunately didn't get to kind of uh, revisit all the, I don't know, little little intricacies of the game which was a little bit of a bummer but the first half they looked 
amazing. They looked great. Well, and I think there's a time where TCU scores on a couple straight possessions in the second half, and some people start to lose their minds, think, oh, here it comes, here it comes, they're coming back. Regardless, you know, what worked really well in the first half is they blitzed Duggan often and early, used all kinds of different creative ways to get pressure. Um, Vance has another big sack. We saw the Wazirike scoop and score. Um, things that was like sick. that. Yeah, I it, love defensive touchdowns. Oh, they get. I think they get people fired up more than anything. Like I, poll question here: What gets you more jacked? Defensive touchdowns or like long receiving like touchdowns? Like Special a, teams touchdowns. Should oh, be like there too. punt returns. Punt kick returns return. are dope. Yeah. Speaking of kick return, like why I think our special teams look so much better. Actually, Joe Rivera had a very good game. Didn't allow Rager to return anything. Our kickoff game, they tried a little squib kick to kick it, keep it away from Rager, and that wasn't always perfect. Um, but it was very nice to have Kane Nuwangu back there returning kicks. And he should have brought one to the house if he hadn't get caught up by the TCU kicker at one point. I don't know if you remember that or not. Um, but a couple different wrinkles we saw out of yesterday. I think Eisworth gets a little banged up. We saw Azuna come play well. I thought Zach Peterson played really well. Orion Vance gets another sack. I think he's on pace. I think in another game or two, he's going to break the Iowa State single-season sack record. Uh, Vance is a junior now. Sophomore. Oh, sophomore. Redshirt sophomore. He's he's obviously worked his tail off in the offseason and then some of these practices where he's just kind of been a – a role player where he doesn't get to play a lot. Like he has obviously developed himself quite a bit and he has really bloomed. Well, I mean, let's put it out there. Mike Rose was everybody's, you know, darling last year at middle linebacker and Vance played well enough to displace him from his starting position. Um, that's crazy. That's crazy so to think, think about. That. And the guy already has six and a half sacks in five games. So he's very well easily in a couple more games could break the Iowa State single season sack record. We also saw Real Mitchell come in for a couple different plays. I only remember well obviously with with my limited recording and rewatching options. I only saw the one little screen pass they ran him for. What else happened? Well, he came in oh at the start of one series. I think it was in Iowa State had just gone up 35 to 3. He came up, ran a zone read. It was a different look. Um Purdy was in there. They kept Purdy on the field. Um basically split out wide. And Real took a snap, and they ran his own read, and I think he picked up nine yards. So a couple different looks. We saw a little bit more out of both freshman running backs. Neither of them decided like they wanted to take take away off. But Johnny Lang seemed to emerge. I don't think he had a strong first half by any stretch. I wrote that exact same thing. I don't think he had a strong first half by any stretch of the imagination. But what was encouraging for me, and I'd like to see it happen earlier in the game, is when Iowa State can run the ball effectively, it opens up everything for them. And maybe we'd like it to be a running back. I think we're just so used to being a running back with having David Montgomery back there. Um, but Purdy has over 100 yards on the ground yesterday. As long as the rushing yards are coming from somewhere, does it really matter where they're coming from? No, it does not to me. It doesn't. I don't. I I think probably one concern that people run into is, and I you know back in my mind I think about it too, is. Are is is Brock getting overworked? Is his workload way too high to the point where maybe it's creating a detriment to his play and he's fatigued but he has not shown any no. any fatigue so no we saw you him. can't really we, make much we of that saw argument him running with that little hesitation stutter step there that the little deke yeah that that branded for another touchdown in there in the that fourth was quarter. So, so that was so that awesome. was fun for me is when people started to you know tuck their tail between the legs duggan ran down and had you know a couple of really good series where he got in a groove and Iowa State's defense kind of quit putting pressure and just kind of sat back and let let things happen. Um, and all of a sudden, oh, you know, here here we go again. Here we go again. But 
they came out and answered two or three times down the road and I thought looked really complete and honestly all three phases of the ball of the ball game. So I mean even Gary Patterson I went up and said they you know, they straight up kicked our tails. So that's a big compliment from Gary. Yeah, absolutely and and uh you know, like like you were saying, you know, it's just it's fun to watch when we do stuff like that where we just where we dominate a team where maybe it's a little bit more evenly matched, um, you know, on paper and pregame stuff. But right, then, it's not like you're dominating Kansas. You're yeah. dominating. You're dominating a team that has had top twenty five recruiting classes for the last decade. Yeah, exactly. And so it's it's fun to get to witness that stuff, and not only in person, but um, you know, going back and getting to getting to watch replays. But you know, there were a couple little. Um, you know, bullet points I made, obviously with the weather delay, you uh, maybe worry about here and there, maybe about some focus being lost, but that's obviously not the case. Shoot. You think Iowa State's guys should be used to it by now. It's happened oh my gosh, three times no in the last kidding. year. So. And uh, Oklahoma and Kansas go into a weather delay too, but that's besides the point, which I wonder if it was, it had to have been from warming, this. Cole. Yeah, global warming. I know it, dude. Um, offense really clicks early. There's no looking back. That was, that was pretty sweet. Um, I want to talk a little bit about our kicking game. Um, Campbell obviously does not trust Connor Asali anymore or something. I mean, he has been going for it on fourth down a lot, which I'm okay with. Like, it doesn't bug me because we're in no man's land. And right. Connor Asali, what, only missed like three or four field goals last year. He struggled a little bit early this year. But, I mean, it seems like it's been a pretty short leash here. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. There were a couple opportunities, and, and it was – I think it was just a deal in that first half where we had put ourselves – like you said, it was no man's land. It was either going to be – you know, a 50 to 55 yard field goal for Connor, which he's only hit one over 50, I think in his whole career as an Iowa state kicker, or it was going to be a long punt, but it was fourth and one fourth and two yardage. And our offense is moving the ball so well at that point. I don't think you have anything to lose. And the defense was playing so well. I, I think it has more to do with how well the other two phases of Iowa state football were playing versus against Connor Sal. I don't think, they want to keep putting Asali in position where the only field goals he gets to attempt are 45 to 50, you know, 50 yard field goals. Let's give him. And that's why I almost thought we'd see it at the end of the game where there was a couple opportunities for like, Oh, Hey, maybe get him out there for a 30, 35 yarder just to get his confidence built back up. But though kicks he's missed, I'm wrong. He's, he's missed a few of them. He missed a chip shot against you and I, but one at Baylor got blocked. And the other one is I think a 51 or 52 yard attempt. So, I wouldn't say it has anything to do with the faith in Connor Asali. I don't think he's the most talented guy in the world, um, but we'll we'll see where it goes forward. If if we see more of that, I think in close games coming down the road, them going for it in fourth down, um, that will be a bigger a bigger thing to take away then. Yeah, and like I said, it it was just kind of a little thought I had to myself. It's like, man, what what's the deal? Do you think he doesn't trust him, or is it just one of those things where, like, man, it's just such a it's such a weird coin flip here, and it's no man's land. Like, I'm not going to force right. this kid to go try to take a 53-yarder or something, which well, is fine. I, think, like, I, yeah. I understand that. but You're at the same point there if you go for it on fourth and two and get stopped a yard short versus where you'd be if you missed a you know a 51-yard field goal. Yeah, it makes no sense to not go for it. Like, yeah, so right. I get that. And, I mean, they, they were 0 for 2 early in the game on the conversions, and, and it didn't. I I, I enjoy seeing them. Oh, I love it. Coming, I mean, they were moving the ball at will at a couple times. There was a couple interesting little wrinkles and play calls, but um, there's a couple big plays out of there. Um, Charlie Kohler's touchdown. That's a fun one to go back and watch on tape because where we were sitting in the south end zone, all of a sudden, you know, you looked over and he had Milton going across. It was kind of like the old mesh play. They had three. They had three options there on that side of the field. Um, I can't remember if it was Jones was running underneath, kind of a little bubble route. 
Um, you had Milton coming across on a slant, which, first of all, is there anything more automatic any more than Tariq Milton across the middle of the slant? I no. mean, he's always got two or three steps on a guy, it seems. He's and so, then he's so damn fast. You had Kohler, who was the weak side tight end, who more or less ran a little bit of a wheel route underneath that bubble and came out and was wide open on the long side of the field. We, we didn't even see him against the sideline. And all of a sudden, it looked like Purdy was thrown the way, but he had an option. They took away the kind of bubble route to Jones right there, and he had Milton or Kohler on that open for a touchdown. I will say this, and not to interrupt you and not to take away from the, the fact that like we did hit that play, but it was an absolutely gross defensive breakdown in this secondary. Like, oh, yeah. they had They had four guys in, like – the like the near second level of that defense like surrounding one player on accident like it was such a bad breakdown in the secondary but on the other hand we still have to hit that pass well, that's like good. you just that's you just don't design, get it though. you just don't get it handed to you too no you're right it is good play design and I'll give them credit that's for why that. you overload but what, I'm, but what, I'm, but what I'm saying what I'm saying is that we still had to hit the pass right so we we converted when we needed to convert it was just I, I could not believe the secondary broke down like that. Like he, there was no way he should have been that wide open. It's, it's sometimes you'll see that you'll see them run double slants or you'll see um, plays like that where you know they have they have three basically levels. You know you had Kohler on the wheel route. You know basically turns into a seam down the field. You had Milton coming across the middle, and then you had Jones with the bubble on basically the same side of the field. So what that does is it stretches out whoever your cornerback and safety are there, but they basically have to choose, or am I going to defend this intermediate route or am I going to go to the deep guy? And, your, and you know, has to, it makes both those guys have to choose what they're going to do. And at some point, one of those receivers is going to be left open because those two guys have to split the difference. It's a pretty good play call. No, no, I, I agree. And we, uh, we executed it and um, took advantage of the breakdown, so that was pretty sweet. Um, Duggan exits with some struggles pretty early on in the game. They put in Alex Delton, the – uh, K State transfer, K-State yep. transfer. Um, and he he kind of lights a fire up a little bit and and, and uh, makes a couple plays. And I guess I don't remember did uh, did Duggan gets put back in later. Duggan gets put back in, played most of the second half. Yeah, yeah. And it was just one of those things that I I just don't think he was seeing the game right. And uh, give credit to John Haycock and the kids. Uh, they were giving him so many different blitz blitz packages and different looks. I mean. I, even a veteran quarterback would have been confused. I, it was it was one of those things that I saw Haycock really dial it up and turn up the pressure and do what Haycock was so good at last year. Like in just the West Virginia game comes to mind with how great that defense looked right. late in the year. And the, the, the switch got flipped on Saturday, it looked like. Right. And like I said, they gave him a bunch of different looks and he struggled. They brought in a senior um, and he – he was serviceable, but um, once again gave the kid a, get a shot in the, the second half, which I'm sure he needed for sure. He had a bunch of family there, so not that that really matters to Gary Patterson. He wants to win the game. Um, no, I, I think Haycock, what he does that's so different is, and with the depth the Iowa State defense has, they have the ability to throw all kinds of different looks and all kinds of different things at you, um, whether it you know rotate anywhere from one to four defensive linemen. Um, you know, we've seen – I think we see more blitzing out of our safeties and cornerbacks than about any other team I've seen too that are well timed into it. So that that's Haycock's defense is so hard to prepare for because there's just so many different things they can do versus a traditional four two four three or three four or or even some of these new four two five looks. Um, but going from there, I didn't get to see very much of the Iowa game with Iowa State go, game going on at the same time. 
Um, got to catch some of the fourth quarter. Got to look at a lot of the recaps, some of the replays online. Um, I think the struggle, I mean, I think this sounds like this, the thing, theme of the day was defense. Yes. Um, <laughs> Big Ten power football. The, the theme of the day, yeah, was old school uh, Big Ten game. But what Michigan did, which other teams really have not been able to do, Iowa State did a little bit, was really put a lot of pressure on Stanley and, and made Iowa's where they've been a great run blocking team. Their defensive line got a little bit of ex- our offensive line got a little bit exposed Saturday from all my from what I've taken away from it. Yeah, and and uh, Nate Stanley throws uh, three picks, I believe. Yep, which is just not like an Iowa team. I mean, they they don't turn the ball over, mistake free football. That's what Iowa does. Um, I believe Makai Sargent had um, a fumble, loses a fumble, so they turn the ball over four times. And really, if you're going to turn the ball over against a team, you know who's a good one to do it to. Michigan. Well, Michigan. Their offense is bad. And I think Michigan fumbled the ball three or four times as well, but they landed on on their own fumbles. Yeah, and it's it's most of the time. it's that that situation where you're where you're turning the ball over, and it's okay, it's truthfully okay to turn it over to Michigan two or three times, but you start, man, the fourth time you're throwing picks and you're you're letting them get a bunch of pressure on your quarterback. Well, and Stanley and was sacked, I think, a total of eight times. And- he had negative sixty five rushing yards from those sacks and. Fun fact, I did the math on that. Um, CBS was wrong. CBS only gave Iowa credit for one rushing yard. That was actually wrong. They had six rushing yards total netted. But you can't really count much for, you know, Nate Stanley's negative 65 because that's not really on him totally. Well, but, I, I, I think mean, Makai Sargent only had 60 yards on the – or, excuse me, 40 yards on the ground. I think this is something that we've always thought was going to – that has limited Stanley in situations like this is when you're able to get pressure on him – and make him a little bit flustered. These are things we've seen him break down the last two years and why Iowa fans have you know, been so ready to crucify him at times um, is when he has gotten pressured, when he has gotten flustered, his lack of mobility, I think, and at times lack of confidence. It handicaps him yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, it will handy, and, and that's really what happened. There, I heard a lot of, you know, I, sometimes no offense to anybody, but it's really entertaining. Only when your team has a good day to flip on sound off on 1040 after the game. And I, there was a lot of whining about play, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth over play calling and things like that. I heard there were some, uh, Kirk Ferentz contract discussions being had like good grief guys. Like, come on. There's not a fan base. I mean, they're wrong. We're all irrational. We are all irrational. But that being said, I was still, you know, looks like one of the upper half. I think, I think, they're definitely going to finish in the upper half of that Big Ten West. Yeah, um, I, I think so too. And I mean, that's that's a good game against a good opponent. Um, that's one of the t- they've got two games left in their schedule that'll be, still be probably be a little bit tougher than that one um, that people got to remember. But as a whole, I expected. You know, I I think you and I both expected Iowa to cover. Um, I thought that would have been a statement win for them. I thought they had a really good opportunity to go onto the road against a, a really average Michigan team right. and put up some points and play good defense because that's that's Michigan's Achilles heel in their in their game plan is their defense is good, but their offense is the total inverse of that defense. It's bad. And I thought Iowa had a really good opportunity at its feet. Really, did. I was convinced that, that Iowa plus three and a half, like – Man, you're gonna give me three points against a bad Michigan team. I'm gonna take that every day, and right. it just it didn't work. But like you said, we both thought they were gonna cover, and you know they ended up not. But you know what can you do? That's what happens when you turn the ball over. I mean, right? Out of anybody who should know that, Iowa State fans, right? 
What's what is I'm trying to think their schedule going forward. Who's Iowa got next week? Um, I believe uh, Penn State comes to town. That's going to be a tough one. That's going to be uh, no. Maybe it's not. Penn State doesn't come. I know they play no, Penn got State. A weeks yet. Are you sure? Let me look here. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm not. Week seven. I swore that Penn yeah, State. Yeah, Penn State. Yeah, Penn State and Iowa next week. So that back to back. That's two pretty tough. Tough weeks. Penn State looked really good again this weekend. Yeah, and they and, do get them at home. Yeah, You're correct. I, yeah, I think they. Uh, that, so that'll help quite a bit. Um, I'm. I think it would be sweet if you know they're obviously going to need a little bit of a pick me up. Do they bust out those black uniforms? I think that's the game that'll happen at. Yeah. You think so? Because they don't. They don't get Ohio State at home this year, do they? No, they they don't play Ohio State this okay, year. Okay, nope. that's right. So I mean, this has got to be the game where they bust out those. And first of all, not an Iowa. No, fan. I think the, the those yellow, uniforms the yellows, are sick. The, the new yellow ones they're they're breaking out. I'm pretty sure is what it's going to be. Oh, the 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 banana peel. I hope that works out for them because if it doesn't, those are going to be regarded as what we call the bugle helmets here yeah. in Ames. <laughs> you know, those were horrific. I just i th- I don't think you're going to see an output from Iowa that bad two weeks in a row. But we've seen this with Iowa teams in the past. Um, and I don't I don't know what it is. You know, especially with Stanley and some of these other when they seem to get in a rut. It doesn't seem to be isolated incidents. It seems to be you get three, four weeks like that before they kind of get back their confidence and things like that, which this is a senior-laden team I would expect different. And where we've seen it different, where Iowa State, and whether that's just mentality otherwise, and, and a lot of it I think has to do with your offense and who's playing at your quarterback position. Um, You know, for me, it'll be interesting. That's a tough, you know, little two-game stretch in their schedule. So. Oh, absolutely. But you know, like you said, at least they get at least they get Penn State at home. Um, that'll be a really that'll be a really hyped up game. I believe that's a night game even too. Yeah, that's six thirty. That's an ABC's primetime game is Penn State and Iowa. Um, early line here I have on CBS. I don't have anything from William Hill, and that's what I try to base a lot of my lines off of when we talk, just because um, you know that's our local gambling watering hole, if you will. Um, CBS early line on that they've got a couple lines of the Big Ten out and they've only got they've got plus two and a half on Iowa and man I mean they burn me once but I usually make a team burn me about three or four times I might I might put yeah you're going back to the well I know yeah I I mean and it's nothing they just haven't scared me enough like they just had a bad game I'm I don't I don't obviously watch enough Iowa football or haven't in the past to to think that this is going to be one of those where I put my hand on the stove and I'm going to be pissed if I go back but Man, you get two and a half points at home in a night game where the crowd is going to be nice and sauced up, and they're going to have some sick new uniforms out, and Iowa will probably bust out that gold, yellow, gold, yellow, or, or excuse me, gold, yellow, black and gold alternating, um, you know, stadium layout, whatever you want to call it, where everybody coordinates. I, that's got some. That's got some ingredients there for a for a nice win for them too. So we'll we'll see what happens. But other than that, it's. I, I don't know. We'll see. Like you said, lots of seniors, so we'll see if they come out swinging. Well, Iowa State, I think, enters a really key stretch of our season. I think we thought TCU was going to be, you know, TCU in all means was a must-win game if you're going to, you know, look at still hitting some of your goals. But the next three weeks are going to change a lot in that perception. You're on the road at West Virginia in Morgantown. Tough, tough one of the Big 12's tougher places to play. Who had Texas down by a touchdown right. at the end of the first they quarter. They looked good. Um, Austin Kendall, I think, threw three or four picks in that game, but also probably kept them in the game. Yeah. Um, then you are on the road in Lubbock, which we all know there's a lot of weird stuff that happens down there. Um, Lubbock, fresh off of um, beating 
an Oklahoma State team, ranked Oklahoma State team pretty soundly. That we um, thought was going to probably end up top three in right, the league. Right, you know, behind the wheels, behind, you know, the arm and legs of Jet Duffy. Um, so uh, this is, a you know, a Texas Tech team that, you know, doesn't even have their starting quarterback right now. I don't think anybody really saw that one coming. No, absolutely not. Um, is it, I'm sorry, is it Jet or Chet Duffy? Jet. He uh he played lights out. Um, I think he threw the ball like forty eight times and completed right. a little over fifty percent of his passes, but had like four hundred and twenty yards passing and like right. four touchdowns. <laughs> right. Well, and he's such a dynamic athlete back there that it just makes you account for so many different things. Oh, I know it, and he can run too, so that that's pretty helpful too. But um, but anyway, so I guess while we're there, um, we'll we'll kind of get into Big Twelve and in Big Ten reaction since that's kind of how we've uh. We've pushed it this direction, like we just said. OSU goes down on the road. Um, Chubba Hubbard um, should be in the Heisman conversation yet, even after this this loss. He scores three times, has 160 yards. Um, injured Bowman is out, like we just said. Duffy comes in and replaces him and has a huge game, which was, uh, I guess for me, a little unexpected. But then again, like you said, Lubbock, lots of weird things happen, and that's just kind of, uh, you know, what happened, you know, what goes down in some of those ranked games in the league. There's weird crap all the time. Um, OU takes care of KU. KU covers, which, like we said, was a little surprising too. But once again, this league, baby. Right. I think the one standout from this is I think a, a lot of Iowa State fans are like, oh, man, this Baylor loss is going to stick in our craw like the TCU game last year. Well, Baylor looks very legit against what I think we all think is a very improved the K-State team. One of two undefeated teams in the league right now. Right, right. And, you know, and they've I think they have the talent and skill to keep doing that going forward. Um, so, I mean, a 31-12 to 12 game over what I think is a pretty improved K-State game. So, Baylor looked pretty good yeah, that once was, again. Yeah, that was another one I I put my own money down they're on. They're ranked too. today, if I believe right. Yeah, they're number 20 or something like that, um, 22. They uh, I put money down on that game and took uh, took the minus one and a half against K-State. You know, they're ahead of schedule. They're playing well. I don't think that – I think that Baylor's last couple of weeks have just they've gotten lucky. They've got the ball to bounce their way. Uh they they proved that there's a little bit more than luck going on right. down there in Waco and you know, I'm I'm going to I'm going to pound my chest a little bit here. We're halfway through the season. I said Baylor would be top 3 in the league and right now they're second right. yeah, in the standings. I mean, right. Right. So, you know, there's obviously a lot of football left to play. They'll they'll probably you know, struggle in spots here too, but you know, I I predicted this, and I I don't think that you were going to be anywhere surprised to it if it happened either. But no, um, you know, and and like we alluded to earlier, you know, Texas pulls away late. It was seventeen to twenty one going into the fourth quarter there in Morgantown. So Iowa State fans, you need to keep your head on a swivel because this game in West Virginia is going to be a test. Um, with with them being within four points of a good Texas team, you know, as in West Virginia's fans sitting in the stands you have to sit there and look at it and have some confidence saying man we could we could get this done a stop well, a stop neil and a brown, score neil brown's made them a lot more competitive now i will say this texas under herman under charlie strong under these those are typically the games they underachieve in as games under what they consider to be a lesser quality opponent on the road sleepwalking do you remember when texas lost at kansas a few years ago yeah, um, I do remember that. Can you imagine what what it was like in Austin after that happened? I bet that was so, so much fun. Typically, those are the games where Texas. I'm not saying I'm not not trying to not give West Virginia credit here. No, I hear you. Um, but those are the games where Texas, you know, typically sleepwalks. I like this matchup still from Iowa State standpoint. A quarterback who turns the ball over quite a bit, 
things like that, give the ability to rush him. Um, I, I, now, just ideally, you'd like Iowa State, if they can come away with one of two of these road games, that'd be great. But 2-0, and obviously, you need to keep your keep your Big 12 title game chances on the road. Yeah, and it's uh it'll be an interesting test and like you said, you you get a you get a quarterback that likes to turn the ball over a lot and we're going to we're going to see John Haycock dial up some pressures here and and like we alluded to earlier in the in the show um he kind of flipped the switch this right. week with uh with the TCU game and so we're going to we're going to see some different blitz packages and you know, we'll see a a five-man front where and then he ends up dropping three and he'll bring two and that's it and right he's going to give him some looks so i'm excited for that too the, but the other one next week we really got to talk about is red river shootout yes time. yeah that's uh that's that's coming up here in our uh you know games to watch for the next week so maybe if you just hold your horses dan oh, we can talk bad, about it bad. come on man um and so anyways you know we'll, we'll kind of keep moving here big 10 it was a little bit of a mundane week um you know nebraska ends up getting a win against uh a Northwestern team, and I think they were favored by seven and a half or something like that. We'll only end up winning by three. Um, we can get into that a little bit more. But Ohio State rolls, um, covers their spread. Minnesota rolls, covering their spread. Penn State does the same. Um, Maryland does to Rutgers what everybody's going to do to Rutgers. And um, my prediction held held true so far. I said that they weren't going to score more than seven points each game here on out. Well, they only scored seven. <laughs> um, Wisconsin, forty-eight nothing. Um, Michigan and Iowa. We we already talked about that one here, but it's just kind of business as usual right now. Nothing, no big storylines here. And, and well, one thing I got to say is, when is Wisconsin going to be able to play somebody with outside of Michigan? They had Michigan was a tough game, but Wisconsin early season schedule here. They haven't had too much. Like how the hell are you? How the hell are you scheduling Kent State in Week Six? That, that's an interesting. When maybe I know that the Big Ten had some scheduling issues. Iowa played Rutgers in Week Two, which might as well have been a non-conference game. Yeah. Um. But th- yeah, at that point they're still, you know, you're really ramping up to conference play, and when you're going to have Ohio State here in the next couple weeks, and some of these other teams, you know, um, one point to make. Um, one of my predictions still has an opportunity to come come true. Um. Minnesota actually looked like a good football team this They're weekend. Undefeated yet? Undefeated, five and zero. So yep, they actually look you know like a pretty decent football team this weekend against yeah. what is still not very good Illinois team. Yeah, and to answer your question, um, Wisconsin gets Michigan State next week. Um, you know, Michigan it's gonna State. It's going to start, and I think it's Ohio State the week after. Yeah, that. and Michigan State, albeit not ranked, I mean, still put up a fight against against uh, Ohio State. I predicted that they'd cover the twenty. Well, they lost by twenty four. That's you know they were going to lose that game one way or the other, but Big Ten's got a couple of cool ones on the slate for next week. Um, Michigan State going to Wisconsin, Nebraska going to Minnesota. Um, that all of a sudden looks like it could be a pretty fun game to watch right. with a little bit of a uh, Big Ten um, West implications here. Uh, obviously, Iowa Penn State. Iowa Penn State. Obviously, like those are three pretty fun games to watch, and um, I'll be looking forward to that. I actually I'm enjoying watching Big Ten football a little bit more now. Um, you know, with Ohio State playing the way that they are and Michigan State trying to – or finally figuring out how to score some points and Maryland scoring some points. And Minnesota, I think, uh, won 40-17. to 17. So, we've got some we've got some high-power high power offenses in there all of a sudden. And so, those are the, the week four – or excuse me, week four. Why do I keep doing that? Week seven matchups here we got for Big Ten. Um, looking forward to Big 12. I know there's a, a couple of big games coming. Um, like Dan said, we got the Red River Red River rivalry coming at the Texas State Fair this weekend. Um, that's a number, I think what will probably be a number 
four ranked Oklahoma, number six ranked Oklahoma. However, they decide to shake it out against a number 11, which will probably be a top 10 team actually after on, after Monday in Texas, that's a, that's a top 10 matchup in the big, in the big 12 that if that doesn't get game day, I don't really know what's going to, but I guess we'll find out. So they're going to Baton Rouge. Who's in Baton? Florida. Oh LSU. yeah, that's right. right. That's not only that, that's another top 10 matchup. That's going to be a fun well, it's one. It's separation watch. Saturday. There's a whole bunch of good ones this weekend. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. No, it'll be yeah. a, it'll be a fun one to watch. Absolutely. So I don't know. I think that, I think that Oklahoma is going to go down there and expose Texas's young secondary a little bit. I think Jalen Hurts is playing at a Heisman caliber level right now, even though it's on a neutral field, um, still on the Oklahoma side, I'm going to give it, um, or no, it's not. Um, where is the Texas State Fair? It's in at? Dallas. Is it? Yeah, that's right. Right. So, I think that Oklahoma is going going to go in and take care of business. I think they win that game by ten. Nine and a half point favorites at this point. Oh, look at that! I should be a handicapper. <laughs> well, you are. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just an addict. Um, I was gonna make a joke about you being, you know, physically and mentally disabled but that's rude that's so actually not inaccurate though either so um continue so anyway no that's one i here's the deal that game is weird that game's always been weird i think everyone has expected texas to show up in a big way yet this year which they almost had a statement win against lsu and had they beat that lsu team i think we're still talking about texas as a playoff contender um and remember how close that one was so oklahoma still you know, they haven't played anybody with a pulse yet either. So let's not get carried away. I don't think their defense is as good, you know, early season as people thought it was going to be. They give up 20 to a bad Kansas team. Um, I And and Kansas actually covers the spread. Um, for me, I don't, I don't know. Weird stuff happens. I'm not pull, I'm, I'm not going to go out there and out of a limb say Texas. I think Texas can still win this football game. I think they're more physical um, on either end of the ball. That being said, Oklahoma still has so much speed in that passing game, and Hurts just brings something so different um, that, than anything else we're going to see in the Big 12. So it'll be really interesting. I mean, that that's going to be a fun one to watch Saturday for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I, I hope I get to catch a, a good portion of it. I got niece's um, birthday party we're going to be attending, so hopefully I get to catch just a little bit of it. But if not, I'm sure uh, old Kelly will have the – TV up and rolling. We'll, do, do we want to go into our midseason breakdowns? Yeah, sure. We can uh, we can touch on that. I mean, what you want to go into breakdown? Actually, let's sorry. Let's let's go to hot blooded and uh, cold as ice here first. Ex- excuse me. We'll uh, we'll start with our hot blooded teams um, from this past week. We'll go ahead and I'll, I'll I'll kick it off here with my Big Twelve hot blooded team. Um, Baylor, once again, um, one of two undefeated teams. Um, you know, there's really no other emerging team for me that really kind of did anything to be impressive. But once again, they, they go and, and take care of business on the road at Kansas State, um, who we all said was way ahead of schedule and put up some points and played good defense. And Baylor's got ammo. Baylor's got ammo, fellas. So we'll see how that starts to starts to take some shape here. And then my Big Ten – um, hot team is Minnesota, and I'm going back to I'm dipping into this well of being undefeated because that's where they're at, and they uh, they absolutely smoked Illinois 40-17. to 17. Uh, They got a big game coming up against Nebraska, so we'll see what happens. But um, those are my two hot-blooded teams, and I'm, I'm excited to see what, what happens in week seven for them going forward. Dan, who you got? Who's hot for you? 
Um, Big 12, so I, I would. There, there's one team I want to pick, but every time we pick them as the team that's getting better and playing better, they lose. So I'm going to refrain from doing that. Don't say um, So Baylor was the one for me that I think people were wondering their first three opponents on the year I think are combined for one or two wins on the season, which is typical old-school Baylor non-conference scheduling. So after they beat Iowa State at home, I think people were saying, well, was it a fluke, intense heat, things like that. They come out and play really well against, I think, a, a K-State team that's, you know, a K-State team at K-State, by the way, um, you know, that has improved and is, you know, usually nobody goes in and blows K-State out typically. Um, they play close, things like that. So that's one for me that's easy to go. Um, Big Ten-wise, I think Minnesota, I'm right there with you. They struggled with some early season opponents, um, didn't play well, but came out and looked really good against – looked really good um, – I'm out of breath. I'm talking too fast over here. Jeez, man, what's going on? <laughs> Against Illinois, um, Nebraska, um, back on the winning side of things. Good for you guys, Husker fans. That was a joke. Um, but Ohio State still rolls. We talked about how we thought D'Antonio and Michigan State were going to be the first team to cover the spread there. But they keep doing the things that they have. At this point, um, you got to wonder, even if Wisconsin, the way they're playing, um, Penn State, maybe because they're a little bit more explosive, might have a shot there. Um, but for me, Ohio State is a class of the Big Ten and, until something else happens. I, I can't go any other way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I I want to do that every week. Like you could you could pick your hot teams each week from the Big 12 and Big Ten to just be Oklahoma and Ohio State every week. Right. But At this not, point, I'm I mean, not we're, very impressed by anybody else. In the Big Ten, I mean, Wisconsin Wisconsin and Penn State, I think, did what people thought they were. Uh, Penn State beat up on a on a Purdue team that I think everybody expected more out of. You know, I remember the talk was Purdue the last couple of years after they beat Ohio State at home and all these games, how improved they were going to be and their head coach is maybe going to leave and Rondale Moore and this, that, everything else. But Purdue is struggling. Um, strugg- yeah. They look more like a traditional Purdue team. Do you, do you think Jeff uh, Jeff Brom right now is wishing uh, he took he that, take Louisville that Louisville job? job? I would. I'll still say no, but if if his uh, if if he turns onto the hot seat here and and they start clamoring a little bit, I well, bet Purdue's not going to fire him. He's still the best head coach Purdue is going to have. Exactly. Um, he he's led them to more winning there than they've had in quite a while. Um, you know, since the Joe Tiller days. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's not going to happen, but you do wonder if he's at the point where, like, man, you know, he turned down other jobs to stay at Purdue because he thought he, they were in the middle of rebuilding something special. And that team's really, you know, been, disappoint. I think, a big disappointment um, so far this year. Yeah, yeah, and you'll have that. But um, we can get into our, uh, our, cold, our cold as ice teams here. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Um, from each conference. Um, for me, um, I look at that Kansas State game, um, even though they did get beat by a really good Baylor team, um, with as much as much as they had improved and as much as hope they had kind of projected here going forward through the season, I think that was probably a serious letdown for their fan base with the Baylor team coming in that was probably pretty beatable for them. And they, uh, they give up the 31 points at home and just it looked like their, their offense was pretty flat. Um, pretty stale, and so that's that's probably got to be a tough pill to swallow for that fan base, and and not only them but that that team too. So they're going to go ahead and be my cold team. But um, you know, like like we always say or have been saying so far this year, I mean they're 
they're way farther ahead than what we thought they were going to be too. So it was really funny for me is the, some of the K State fans I follow on Twitter and things like that. All of a sudden, <laughs> they, got, going, they got pretty quiet. Well, no, it, it was you know the big deal at the beginning of the year. So Courtney Messingham, I don't know if you remember Mess, Coach Mess here was. Paul Rhodes' special teams coordinator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when yep. Herman leaves, becomes the offensive coordinator at Iowa State, who is eventually fired and replaced by Mark Mangino. Well, Messingham goes and is in a couple places in at Indiana under Kevin Wilson, and then goes to NDSU, and he comes here with Kleeman. And people are starting to think, well, you know, he had a pretty good offense at NDSU, yada, yada, yada. And my favorite take I think I saw on all of Twitter on the weekend is Messingham after this weekend was exactly who we thought he was. Someone who was so bad he got fired by Iowa State. <laughs> oh, that's savage. That's yeah. dirty. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I, I think my cold team, and it's one that I – this is one where this team has got some really good skill players, um, and their offense is loaded as always. Their defense – Unfortunately, it looks like it's about as bad as it has been the last two or three years, and they're always just that. The, you th- when they th- you think this team is going to come in and take the next step and prove themselves to be a power once again, which we haven't seen since, oh, they had a 28-year-old quarterback. Um, <laughs> you know, and Des Bryant and those guys were on the field. Oklahoma State, once again, it reminds me of last year, actually, is Iowa State, the Iowa State game at Oklahoma State where they're ranked. Um, people think they're ready to take the next step, and, I, and Brock Purdy and Iowa State come in and expose them, and that's what they looked like against Texas Tech this week. Um, it's got to be backed. They can score points. I think everyone can know that. Uh, Spencer Sanders is a really athletic um, quarterback. He can do a lot of good things for a freshman. Chubba Hubbard is probably the best running back in the country, not named Jonathan Taylor. Yep. Um, but for me, you know, it, it it almost reminds me of, like, Clemsoning. You know, you get in a position where you're ready to, you know, take charge and put yourself in a good spot and you lose to a team you shouldn't. And and that's kind of where they've been. I think Big Ten-wise, I, I kind of covered mine to just a degree. Um, Purdue, you know, is really disappointing. I think we all expected a little bit more from them. Um, I expected a little bit more from Michigan State this week um, and, yeah, and really I, expected I a little bit more of a fight. Um, that's a team that is interesting. After they go and make that run towards the playoff the one year, and get blown out from out by Alabama. We really haven't just seen them recover and been a dominant Michigan State team since. So you kind of wonder where things are just trending over there. Yeah, that and just a quick point here, but the the dominant Michigan State team, I mean, you know, we we've we've seen good and really good Michigan State teams here and there and like like you said the one that went to the playoff probably just got just totally outclassed by Alabama, but get in line that happens to everybody it seems like, but you know, it seems like that dominant Michigan State team doesn't show up for about 10 years at a time. Right, but they've had some good – I mean, Le'Veon oh, Bell, no, no, there's I, a lot of good players to come through there. I agree. No, that's right. – yeah, and but that's just kind of one little tidbit that I thought I'd throw at you here. But um, my cold team um, from the Big Ten, since Dan hijacked my part of it. Not bad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm Even in a win, I'm going to say Nebraska. Um, that was one I think they were favored by nearly eight at home. Um, you're coming off of an embarrassing loss to Ohio State at home. College game day was in town, and you couldn't even put up a point. You got goosed egg, goose egg. Nah, they they in, put up a score. It's forty-eight-seven. Oh, pardon me. Uh, you got absolutely pummeled by Ohio State, and then you get 
Northwestern, a team that's reeling a little bit coming into town. Yeah, a one win. This is this one Northwestern's win. first win. Or no, they had one win of the season. This this would have been number two. My bad. Yeah, and you had Northwestern come in, and it was ten to thirteen was the final. Right. Like that that should have been one one game where Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez just throw it all over the damn yard and and win by four scores and they only won by three. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't get to watch much for highlights of that one, but just from looking at the box score, I mean, you can tell that, that they, that they ended up struggling through that one and that should not have been a game they struggled with. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, dub them my, my cold blooded team for the big 10 as well. But you wonder why I think everyone saw frost offenses at UCF and what they were able to do. Um, Why has it taken longer to kind of set foot here at Nebraska. Is it just playing better defenses, more sound defenses? Don't be wrong. The American Conference is not one that's known as a, a juggernaut um, defensively and playing sound football. You know, good coaches don't last very long down there. They move up. But but why has the offense, you know, taken longer to, to take hold there at Nebraska, you think? That's that's a good question. I don't there's know. There's athletes. I don't think oh, we yeah. can't, can't deny there's athletes there. No, and I, I, I wonder if maybe maybe any of it, could you say that it's just got to do with overthinking the scheme? I mean, because I don't think that anyone would look at, you know, let's just take our, our home school here. No one would look at Matt Campbell and, and Tom Manning and those guys and say those guys are offensive gurus because that's what Scott Frost has been dubbed. Right. But we come up with schemes that fit our players. Are they just not doing that? Are they? Are Do they not have the players in place yet to run his system? And that may be. I mean, at UCF they were getting elite level talent, and not that Nebraska doesn't have talent, but you know, he's easier to get Florida players to come to Orlando than it is Lincoln. Oh probably. yeah, I mean, Nebraska is just a armpit of the United States, anyways. It seems like, but like you said, getting kids to come to Orlando's a lot easier than it would be Lincoln, but you know, the facilities are probably different too. He's probably got a little bit more to offer in Lincoln, but you know, like you said, I think that's a good, good way to put it. There's just not the people right now in, in place to fit his scheme. The scheme can be there, but just not the people yet. Right. And, and we still got to remember this was a four and eight team last year. Yeah. Give it time. I mean, they will be, they will be six and six, seven and, or uh, seven and five, eight and four, maybe kind of depending. I think they've got a pretty pretty easy schedule going forward. I don't think that they really put themselves in 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 a bad spot by any means. Um I mean that that Minnesota game is going to be a pretty pretty big. Yeah, we got Minnesota, Wisconsin and Iowa left on the schedule. Yeah. So, I mean, they've got some hurdles to climb here, but um you know, they they've they've beaten the teams that they should have beaten. I mean, no one no one really thought they were going to beat Ohio State. The only people that thought they were going to beat Ohio State were wearing Nebraska colors. So, um you know, that's kind of where we land on that one, but um, anyways, well, moving on here, we'll uh, we'll kind of get into our little midseason breakdown here. It's something that Dan and I talked about earlier today, um, and a little bit yesterday. We're gonna we're gonna go with some uh, post week six reaction here to uh, midway through the season, and kind of talk about some of our early predictions in the year and and go forth. So, where do you want to start, Dan? You want to start with our? Uh, should, should we do our, our our power ratings here? Our, let's, uh, our top ten. Let's go with our conference champs first. Okay. I think. Let's go with our conference champs. We'll kind of go from, uh, you know. Lowest lowest tier excitability to uh, upper tier, and we'll uh, we'll go conference champs. No, because that that will give away some of my playoff picks. Let's wait for that. Okay, that's fine. So I I guess then that's just what we'll, where we'll start. We'll start with our conference champs. Um, I kind of haven't moved the needle too much on mine. Um, you know I did I predicted that Penn State would win the Big Ten East, and you were pretty wrong there. Well, you don't know that yet. They still got to play Ohio State. 
Good luck with that one. I'm just saying, it's the door's not closed. Granted, it doesn't look great, but the door's not closed. You're, um, you're sticking with that one? No, I'm. I think Ohio State's going to do it. But you know that that Penn State prediction, you know, was a fun little bold pick. But um, you know, they they still have they still have the opportunity to to beat Ohio State later this year. And you know, it's it's pretty unlikely that they do. But hey, man, if they do, I look like a genius, which pretty much has never happened in my entire life. Shocked. Yeah. Um, Big 12, it's pretty simple, straightforward, OU. Um, I, I think early in the year, maybe, I think I was laying kind of on Texas's you were, side. You were pretty hard on Texas. Yeah, and I, I've kind of switched my uh, switched my thinking here after watching what Jalen Hurts has done um, and Lincoln Riley, Mr. Quarterback Whisperer. I, I do think, though, like we were looking at this Texas team in a different light because just they have a loss. Um, that loss is to what maybe is one of the easily the top four teams in the country right now. Agreed. Um, if they're four and zero, five and zero at this point, um, what are we saying about Texas when they come in? Even if they struggled against West Virginia and they have a win over an LSU team, like what are what are we saying about Texas at this point? You're talking about them as a playoff contender. You're talking about this weekend being one of the biggest games of the year. Of the year, yeah, easily. I don't um, know. So I don't think it's tough for us to hold. All, I mean, the season is so. Even though we are at the midway point already, which is terrifying. Um, How did that happen? I don't know. This the season is you know there's still a lot of things that are going to bounce out in conference play, um, so so for me I I have a hard time holding that against Texas you know, um, losing to a really good LSU team. Yeah, that's fair, and I'll uh, I'll give them that one. I'll give them a pass on that. That's 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 appropriate. Um, but obviously, like you said, it's it's hard to it's hard to move the needle off of Oklahoma too much though. I mean, I think they're they're the class of the Big Twelve, but. Um, ACC Clemson, who has no competition, and they really haven't even been no. ultra impressive. It seems like they've got a little bit of a hangover going, but we won't get into too much ACC football. Trevor because, Lawrence has looked, you know, like he's in a little bit of a sophomore slump. Yeah, he has. He hasn't played great. Um, they almost blew a game to North Carolina on the road there last week. Um, that that's one where I think my problem with Clemson is if they do decide to mess around and and drop a game. I don't think they have enough strength to schedule on the back end to make up for it. They'll, Unless we see, you know, a bunch of one-loss teams um, and things like that. Don't get me wrong. They are the defending national champions. They have not lost a game. But they have not looked impressive when you look at their record compared to some of these other teams just yet. They'll get the benefit of the doubt. And there's there's a couple different ways of looking at it. Unfortunately, they're going to get it because, like you said, they're un, they're undefeated. They're, de, they're de, the defending champs. It's the it's the Alabama effect that's been created where they got into the BCS national championship game when they didn't even make their conference championship what like four or five years ago, and they're they're going to get in the playoff if they stay undefeated, but it's just because they they've earned that right and and I'm okay with it. Um, but truthfully, if they get into the playoff and they've looked the way that they do, I hope that they just get absolutely boat raced by whoever they play. So. That's kind of where I land on it, um, but they don't have right. any competition. You know, I I predicted them to play Miami in the in the ACC title game, and that very well could happen. No, yeah, I think my Miami has well, three losses already. That's not looking great. No, it's uh, it's pretty much bad across the board. But yeah, they don't have any competition over there. But um, Pac-12, I'm sticking with my uh, one loss Oregon team to uh, make the playoff, but that's definitely not going to happen either. Um, um, here's one for me. I don't Oregon. Good on you. Um, Auburn looks like a you know outside of a, a losing to Florida this weekend. 
Um, Auburn looks like a pretty good football team, so that's that's not a bad loss earlier in the year. Yeah, Bo, Bo Nix showed a little bit of Struggled his freshman bit. spirit yep. um, this weekend, and that's okay. I mean, in the Swamp, you're going against a Gator defense that was pumped up and ready to play, and, um, you know, he's going to look like a 19-year-old every now and then. Right. And, I mean, hell, they still only – what they lo- they only lose the game by – Made it a game. They yeah. were nine points. Like, it's not a big deal, but they were favored in that game, and I think rightfully so. I just think that he kind of showed a little bit of the freshman stripes and – you don't have that, so regardless, I don't think we can hold too much against Oregon now for losing to Auburn at this point. That was, I mean, that that in retrospect, you know, isn't a bad loss. Oregon's defense looks like the strength of that football team, which we have said that never about an Oregon team. No, their their offense is just managing to put up enough points. I mean, they only beat a crippled Cal team by ten points this week, and were favored by eighteen. The line moved to 20 by Friday night. Um, Cal's quarterback's out. Cal's strength is in their defense. But, you know, they only put up 17 points on Cal and and only allowed seven to a, a Cal team that's shown they're capable of putting up some points as well. Um, although, albeit, you know, still getting beat by Arizona State um, earlier this year as well. But, um, yeah, Oregon, Oregon's an interesting one. It's going to be – it's going to be – Weird to see how they move the needle. I think they'd be getting talked about a lot more if they were winning games by 35 points like they used to, but they're just not. Right. Um, and and then from from there, my my well, S- for me is is Oregon the only if we see complete chaos. Don't wrong, they have a loss to a not a bad Auburn team. Is that the only team left in playoff contention in the Pac-12? Oh, for sure. Yeah, Cal's out. I think Arizona has one loss, but that's not a great football team. Um, Washington's got two losses already. I think both being conference losses. Yeah, two. Washington uh, State's already got two losses. Um, yeah, Washington lost to it. What's a really average Stanford team over the weekend? Yep. So, uh, yeah, if if they stay one loss, there, that's the only way they stay in the conversation. So if they even if they have a close call against like a UCLA team or you know an Arizona State, I'm not sure who they've got left on the schedule. But if they have a close call against a bad team here, they're gonna be they're gonna make themselves out pretty quick because they're not gonna pass the eye test anymore. And I, I'm not even sure they've passed the eye test to this date. No, but they've they've won, and wins are still wins. You got to give them credit. They're they're taking care of business for the most part. But um, yeah, I, I don't think there's there's no one from the Pac-12 that can contend to get into the playoff, and they're the only team that can do it. So. If, Pac-12 wants a chance to be nationally recognized, and hopefully their uh, opponents just roll over and die for them, which will not happen. But no. um, my uh, my SEC team, um, I think it's that that conference is so stacked. It's actually it's really fun to fun to watch. I mean, for me, um, you know, you've got a good Florida team, you've got a good Auburn team, you've got a fantastic Georgia team, you've got elite Alabama and LSU team. That's Texas A and M's playing good football. Texas A and M's playing pretty good. They've uh, Alabama goes to Texas A and M this weekend, I right. believe. Um, but my SEC champ, uh, Fighting Joe Burrows, I'm I'm sticking with that LSU pick. They've uh, they've played up to it so far. Uh, they do obviously have to knock off the king of the hill in Alabama, and uh, then that game is in Tuscaloosa. By the way, that's going to be a fun game to watch. So that's kind of where I'm landing on the SEC. But you really could. You could pick about four different teams and and really not be wrong, truthfully. Right, right. Well, for me, I mean, there's there's a couple different ways to go, and just breaking down home and away and who's got to play who um, will be pretty tough. Have you gone through your your power five? 
power five here. My power five. Your your conference champs. Do I got mine now? Oh yeah 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Nope. All good. Um. So for me, I'm gonna go ahead. Big Ten. I think Wisconsin and Oak Ohio State here play. Um. I th- think it's two weeks. Um. For a little Big Ten championship game preview. Um. That one looks you know, to be pretty, I picked Minnesota the year that team is still undefeated. I think I was a little bit down on Ohio state to start, but I think we've seen Ryan day and Justin Fields and that experiment come full blown. Um, Ohio state's still the easy pick. Even if they drop one down the road, um, that's a team that I think is still going to be a playoff contender. Um, moving on from then big 12 right now. I, I, I think the way Texas is playing, um, they still have a chance. They've lost to what I think is probably one of the best teams in the country right now in LSU. Um, but that being said, Oklahoma still does look like they're in a class. I mean, that you have to pencil that one out as you know your Big Ten, Big Twelve championship game right now. Although Baylor's still lurking, uh, Baylor's a team that has no is still undefeated. They still got a chance to do it. Although with the Big Twelve schedule, everybody plays everybody, um, and you never really know what can happen. Um, moving from there, ACC, it's Clemson. I think Virginia is the only other team out of the Coastal um, that looks like they're going to match up with. Did Virginia come into this season with a bunch of hype? They or like, Is it just me, or they kind of come out of nowhere a little bit? Well, I mean, they look like most Bronco Mendenhall teams. I mean, like when he was at BYU, they're, they're really solid. They almost look like an Iowa, you know, run the ball, don't mess up, play good defense. Um, Virginia is really solid. That, that will be one that, you know, who knows with Clemson goes – I don't know if they play this year or not, um, but that that one kind of looks like who they're potentially going to play in that ACC champion. But until something happens, I, I think you've got to go ahead and play with Clemson. Um, Pac-12 um, beginning of the year, I don't. I think I picked Washington. Um, right now, that doesn't look great. Um, right now, I think you were the one. Did you pick Utah in the playoff preseason? I'm pretty sure. Or was it Oregon? Uh, no, I said one loss. Oregon gets in to the right, playoff. Right, but Utah, but Utah, Utah, or Arizona State will be probably the other back Pac-12 championship game. Um, SEC is interesting for me. Um, Georgia and Florida, obviously, that's a big rivalry game there at the end. That'll be on rivalry weekend. Those are two teams that'll probably both still be in the top ten by then. Um, and we'll see one go down there. Georgia hasn't been tested just a whole bunch yet, but they look really good. Um, then obviously on the other the other side of the conference, you've got LSU and Alabama, um, which this year actually we could see some points scored in that one, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, finally, like it's not going to be one of those SEC. Six to three. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, for me, it, it comes down to that game being in at in Tuscaloosa. We could see a really interesting situation where the loser of that game Say it's say LSU, if that's their lone loss, is to Alabama in that game in Tuscaloosa, and they went out, you know, they they go eleven and one. Alabama, you know, wins that game but loses to Georgia, you know, who had lost to Florida or something like that, and you've got four one loss teams in the SEC at the top of that. It could really, you know, put some interesting spin on the playoff situation. Um, so for me though, Alabama gets that game at home, and I think that's the difference maker. Um, they really haven't – I think their best win is over an average Ole Miss team to this point, um, 59-31, something like that. So got to stick with Alabama until something else is proved. But LSU looks really good. Georgia looks really good. Um, when those two teams start to play a little bit, I, I do think we could see a scenario like that, though, where LSU loses to Bama or Bama loses to LSU, vice versa. Well, the team that wins 
goes to the SEC championship game. And whether that team wins or loses could depend on whether that second place team in that division has a chance at a playoff spot. So there's just so much talent at the top of that conference. It's hard to argue anything else right now. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's one of those deals where you have to just give Alabama the benefit of the doubt until they prove you wrong. And it's kind of the same thing that we got going with Clemson here too. But, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing about the SEC is there are so many good teams in that in that conference, both on the east and west side, that it's going to be it's it's going to be fun to kind of see. Like obviously, Florida and Georgia in the SEC East. I mean, the the third place team in the SEC East is Missouri. I don't think anyone's going to argue with you that Missouri is going to contend with Georgia or Florida. No, not a chance. Then you get Alabama, LSU, Auburn. Past that, the fourth place team, even though they're five hundred, Ole Miss at two and one standing the conference. No one's going to argue with Ole Miss being better than even the team that's below them at one and one in the conference in Texas A&M. So it's, it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. But I think that some of those little one loss predictions or those little one loss scenarios you've got there are going to be really, uh really cool to see because you know, who, who, who knows how, how this sec game is going to, or the sec title game is going to go and, and who gets in. And cause obviously like you, you can bank right now that one sec team's getting into the playoff. That's right. that's not well. Disputable. I think right now is is just the only argument you have is it one team or it's the two teams, you know, based on how things go. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's it's probably end up going to be in two. So, just right, hold your. Well, the Pac-12 is dang near eliminated itself already, and I won't be surprised if the Big Twelve does the same thing. So no, yeah, that's that'll probably happen too, unless uh, unless Oklahoma can figure out a way to stay undefeated the whole year and then um, and then go to Dallas and then beat whoever they end up playing, which we all you know pom-poms on for just a second we all hope that it's going to be Iowa State maybe playing spoiler a little bit at the end of the year but we'll see we'll see what happens but um yeah so do you want to go into mid-season top 10s or do you want to go into playoff stuff or what do you well, I think just jump uh, jumping off playoff stuff I mean with our conference champions for me like I said I, I've kind of got a little bit of a scenario I said it's it's really going to depend on how the SEC shakes out do you have them seated sorry not to interrupt you but do you have them seated one through four or do you just have four no I've got teams? four out there okay so I, I really do think the whole you're going to have you know um, right now I, I think you'll have, you're going to see two teams from the SEC and it's going to be Bama LSU or Georgia in any of those directions I, I predict Georgia is going to finish out their side of the conference undefeated um, Bama or LSU um, are going to have one loss from that game in Tuscaloosa here in a couple weeks. Um, and whoever wins that championship game and leaves a one-loss team, you know, if Georgia goes undefeated. Oh. Why did that start making noise? All apologies. Way to go, Cole. Sorry. Idiot. Yeah, my bad. My bad. So I, I think it's I, – I can see two SEC teams easily – um, so for me, I think I've got Georgia on the one side, and then, I mean, this sounds screwed up, the loser of the of the Alabama-LSU game um, here in Tuscaloosa in a couple weeks. Wow. Because we've seen it time and time and time again in the playoff. If you lose a game earlier in the season, the playoff committee is more forgiving when it comes to conference championship weekend. They're not going to typically – I, I can see, say this, LSU loses to Alabama and Tuscaloosa but finishes their season. That's our lone loss. Alabama and Georgia are both undefeated playing in that SEC title game. Alabama loses to Georgia. So now you have an undefeated Georgia team. You have Alabama and LSU 
with two with each with one loss, but Alabama has the most recent one. They are not going to put two teams in the playoff that have just played each other in the SEC championship game. So no, I think at my point, I think I have Georgia and LSU are two of my playoff teams. Although I do, I can see LSU dropping one down the road. Ohio State and Oklahoma, whether those be undefeated or one loss teams. So you're leaving. You're leaving Clemson out. You're leaving the defending national champion. I think Clemson's going to slip up. I think Clemson's going to slip up and All lose right. somewhere down the, I, down the I, road. I can't say I disagree with you either. Um, yeah, that's you and I are very similar here on a couple of these teams, but I'm, I've kind of got a couple different different takes on it. Um, I think – I don't think – okay, I mean, they're just all shots in the dark, like let's be honest here. Um, with the way that we've seen Auburn play this year – and the way that we've seen LSU play this year, I don't even think Alabama is going to be in the conversation. They're going to lose to LSU. Well, I think Tusco- LSU, Hang on, you got your turn. It's my this. turn. LSU and Georgia probably have one of the two best wins in college football right now. That is over Texas and Austin, LSU's, and Georgia beating Notre Dame. Okay, it's my turn, Dan. Sorry. I think LSU goes into Tuscaloosa and wins the game. I think Alabama goes to... Um, Auburn late in the year, last game November thirtieth, and I think they lose that game to a pumped up Auburn team. I don't think Alabama gets a chance to even play in the title game. You're talking for two, the, two loss Alabama, team. two loss Alabama team, one to LSU, one to Auburn. LSU goes into the title game to play Georgia, and I'm I'm not exactly sure which direction it's going to go because Florida's there too, kind of lurking. Uh, Florida and Georgia play each other on November second. Um, so that's coming up here in about four weeks. So both of those teams should be fairly well hitting their stride. And before that, um, Florida gets, uh, um, or excuse me, Georgia gets a South Carolina team here next week and then Kentucky the week after that and then a bye going into November 2nd. So they get two bottom feeders of their side of the conference and then get a bye week before they have to play Florida. And so I think Georgia takes care of business in that one. The next the next hurdle they have to to jump is Saturday, November sixteenth against Auburn. I think they I think they beat Auburn um or maybe get make it close. I don't know if, if Georgia goes undefeated, but I think they win the SEC East. Um Florida's playing a backup quarterback in Kyle Trask who's a little um unexperienced. I think he's maybe a redshirt freshman or a true freshman replacing um, Felipe Franks, Felipe. which truthfully, that's probably an upgrade more than anything. Um, Florida, Florida's probably going to have a couple slip up games here. I don't, I don't foresee them, uh, you know, outlasting, outlasting Georgia. Yet. No, no, I don't think so. But um, that's that's kind of how I see the SEC shaking out. And then, so I, I've got LSU picked to win the SEC title game and go in and be one of my four playoff teams. And in fact, I have them as my two seed. Got Ohio State as my one seed, so that's one that you and I agreed on. I think that just the athleticism and the 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 talent that their defense has showcased so far, um, like you said, they really haven't played anybody with a pulse yet. I mean, you could maybe classify Nebraska as that, but with what they've shown Michigan us, Michigan State probably is their best win. Yeah, so and, and yeah, and so you can look at those two games, and Michigan State's the best win. Nebraska is uh, is still a good team, but they're not there yet. So we're gonna get to see. Ohio State tested a couple more times here before too long and you know with Penn State game and then November 30th with uh, uh, the Michigan game which I believe is in um, 
the horseshoe this year in Columbus, so I don't think they're going to have. No, that that's in Ann Arbor this year. Oh, is it? Okay, yep. I got it backwards. My bad. Um, and so I've got Ohio State my one, LSU my two seed. Um, and then again, you and I agreed on one on one team. Uh, again, the Big Twelve champ I think is going to be Oklahoma. I think they're getting into the playoff. Um, Look at this play by Mahomes. By the way, this is evades one sack here. Did he get drafted in the MLB draft too? I can't remember. And touchdown. He's just not. He's a cheat code. He is a human cheat code. And then lastly, my uh, my number four seed, and once again, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of hoping you're right, but I don't think they have a slip up. I think Clemson gets in. Um, I think Clemson's Clemson. I have them listed as a four seed, but if if one thing has taught us anything about this uh, selection committee, they look at past um, points proven, I guess, for lack oh, yeah. of a better term, and they're going to give Clemson the benefit of the doubt. That's the only reason why I don't think Alabama gets in because I I see them losing two games in between okay. now and the SEC game. So they're just not even – they won't get to be in the conversation because of those two losses. And an undefeated or one-loss Clemson team is going to get in over in Alabama, unfortunately, and that's just going to be the way it works. So I, I think that things could shape shift a little bit, but I've got LSU in as my two seed, Oklahoma as my three, and Clemson as my four. And then leading the pack, I've got Ohio State and Justin Fields um, taking the cake as the one seed. So that's kind of where I land in my, uh, in my playoff prediction here going forward so you and i were a little uh coordinated on one right but i've uh, i see alabama losing a couple games here so we'll see what happens it's going to be uh like like i always say it's going to be a fun one to watch so do you want to talk about who your who your midseason top 10 is my, my midseason top 10 power rankings okay you don't have to dive too deep just no kinda... no this is, but this is mine i will say this putting this out there this is in a vacuum right this is for not what you've done in the past this is for what you are as a team and what you have done so far like I said, I think there's a couple teams out there that probably have two wins that are better than anybody else out in the country. Um, so one, just because I think this team has shown up and finally put together an offense on the field, has probably just as many athletes on the field as anyone, you know, in the country. And actually, you know, we started the year thinking there were only two elite teams that had a chance of making the playoff. But I think at this point, we got to talk there's four or five maybe. Um, LSU is my number one. Um, they have one of the best wins over the country in the country so far, and that is Texas that's and Austin. Big right there, <laughs> that's Texas and Austin. And like I said, this is not based on prior results. This is not based on what I think will happen. This is what I think what you have done so far, and they have shown up. They've put points on the board. They still have one of the most athletic defenses and well coached defenses um, with Dave Aranda, but they have probably what is one of the best wins so far of the year. My number two in that same mold is Georgia. Georgia has probably what is the second best win of the season. That is over Notre Dame. Um, it's maybe this year that Fromm and those guys get things going, and you know finally you know break, Kirby Smart breaks across and wins a national championship. Uh, moving on down, my Ohio, Ohio State is number three. Um, uber impressive. They look like the best Urban Meyer teams that have been there. Justin Fields um, is you know we've seen some good Ohio State quarterbacks. I think he's the best one um, in his first year there. Um, until something happens. I think Wisconsin's a really good football team, um, but I will not be surprised if Ohio State beats them, beats them handily twice. Um, moving on from there, um, Oklahoma has looked really impressive. I think defense is slightly improved. I think it's still going to be a problem when it comes to other teams that could put a lot of points on the board. Um, that being said, Hurts uh, looks incredible. Um, if he's not one of your – I think he needs to be a Heisman Trophy contender. 
Oh, um, yeah, easily. With, without a doubt, but I, I do think there's going to be some of this, well, we've given it to Oklahoma QBs the last two times, so probably just won't happen again. Um, but Oklahoma, just the way they have looked. Um, Clemson is my, or, or I take that back. Oklahoma was my number five. Alabama was my number four. They've looked good. Their probably defense has given up more points than I thought they have, but Tua still looks really good. And I think numbers are off the start of the So Alabama four, Oklahoma five, Clemson all the way at six to this point. Um, like I said, in a vacuum, what have they done so far this year to, to show us? Uh, Lawrence has struggled. Not struggled, but he's not played up to the guy we thought he was going to be. He's been subdued. Yeah, I would say that's a good way to put it. Still is a really talented guy um, and still won games. But that's where they're at right now. Florida is my seven, came off a big win against Auburn, got a tough schedule ahead again. Wisconsin still undefeated, although not Michigan is a good win. I don't know if it carries the weight we all thought it would. Um, going from there, um, I've got three one-loss teams um, that are kind of by nine through 11, um, and that's Notre Dame Notre Dame and Texas. Um, I take it back. Penn State is still undefeated. Um, in there and there as well, but I think Penn State's going to drop a couple. So um, there's kind of my top 10-11 to kind of start our, for midseason. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of – you and I have very similar lists. Um, I'll I'll, I'll kind of go through mine real fast here. Dan, Dan alluded to a lot of the different points that I can make, so I'll just kind of make mine quick. So uh, number one, I've got Ohio State um, looking like they're probably the best team in the country. Number two, I've got OU. Uh, number three, I've got LSU. Number four, I've got Georgia. So right in my top four right there, I don't even have the, the last two defending national champions um, of the past three years even in the top five. And not nothing to take away from Alabama. Um, I still think that they're obviously probably the easily one of argued the best three teams in the SEC overall. But I think they're going to trip up in a couple different spots here going forward. But uh, right now they're, they're kind of outside the top four for me. And then – um, so I've actually got them at five, and then I've got Clemson at six, which you and I had Clemson in the exact same spot um, at six, and you had Bama at four, and I have them at five. So we're really kind of thinking about the same thing there on the same, wave, same wavelength. Um, I've got Wisconsin at seven. I think that they've still got to prove it to us, so they're going to be kind of outside looking in here going forward. I've got Notre Dame at eight, which is probably a little higher than they need to be, um, but they've got a pretty good loss to a Georgia team right now. And then um, – you know they played um, who they play this week, oh Bowling Green, which I mean you you could have expected nothing less than them to put up 55 points like they did. Um, they've got USC coming to town this next week. Um, early, they just don't have a lot of meat on the schedule this year. Early line, it's uh, they're minus nine. So like Dan said, there's not a lot of meat there. So it's going to be interesting. They're they're not going to be a playoff team, but um, they might end the season with one loss and maybe put themselves in the conversation. But no one's going to argue that they're top top six team I don't think quite yet so I've got them at number eight I've got Florida at number nine um I'm not quite sold on them yet either I think their defense is vastly improved but Kyle Trask has got a lot of work to do yet um as well so we'll see with them going forward um and I have Penn State setting at number 10 um and and I would be okay if you had them outside the top 10 too and outside looking in in no particular order um Texas Auburn just because of the most recent loss Oregon because their schedule is just full of teams that would be middle of the road Big Twelve Crap. teams. Yeah, exactly. And then I got a little dark horse here, Boise State. 
top 15 team here. I think they uh, they're undefeated still. Right? They're undefeated still. Um, they've uh, they've beat a couple of teams that have pulled off some upsets. I believe they took care of business against Army. Army, a team that, like you said last year, put up a whole hell of a lot of points against Oklahoma and a Houston team. Um, actually beat Houston last year, I think. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, in their bowl game, um, which you can make any argument you want about that. But um, Boise State's looking pretty good right now. I think I'd, I'd give them a little bit extra credit. So we'll see uh, We'll see what happens with them going forward. But that's kind of where I landed on my uh, top ten-ish teams. Uh, here midway through the year, so we're uh, we're going into week seven. We're uh, man, I just cannot believe that we're halfway done with the regular season of college football. I mean, it seemed like we were just absolutely freaking jacked to just record that first episode, and like it couldn't get here fast enough. And now it's here. We're all having a great freaking time, and it's it's flying by us. But that's okay. It's I'm having a good time. Are you having a good time, Dan? We're having a good time. Having a great time. You got any locks for us this week, Cole? Um, I've got a couple. With it being a Sunday night. <laughs> Getting some of these, uh, getting some of these point lines out and released is, is kind of tough, and I've just got some some intriguing ones, and I'm I'm never gonna be the type of guy to pick a weird one like a, you know, a thousand covering a Florida or you know stuff like that. Like I'm not that guy. I don't I don't do enough research re- research on those mid major conference teams. So I'm just I'm the type of person that's gonna that's gonna hit you between the eyes with some of these power five teams and and where I can see them shaking out. And I went one and two. Um, this last week, UCF did not go the way I had anticipated it going, but you know that's uh, that's the way she goes every now and then. Um, uh, I, I locked up Maryland minus thirteen and a half against Rutgers, which was easy money, and then Utah State at LSU. Um, and so, excuse me, I went two and one on my locks, but some of my uh, personal books I didn't I didn't have as good a luck here. But um, OU minus thirty three, Kansas covers that. Iowa plus three and a half, Michigan covers that. Um, Michigan State plus 20, Ohio State covers that. Cal plus 18, um, I told you that was an intriguing one. They covered that. It actually moved to plus 20 late in the day on Friday. Um, Washington at Stanford, Stanford plus 18 and a half. Stanford actually wins that game outright. So I had a couple I had a couple little quick hitters there that, that I kind of had my eye on. And, um, you know, really more than anything, they're just lucky guesses. But um, kind of see the writing on the wall with some of these with injuries. And, you know, like Rutgers will just pick on them. I mean, they're not going to score more than – three to seven to 10 points the rest of the year in any given game. So basically if there's any, if there's any point spread past about three, you may as well take whoever's whoever they're playing type thing. So um, I've got a couple that they didn't, that there were some lines out yet. Um, I'm not going to call them locks. I'll probably uh, do some actual official locks on Twitter. So just kind of keep an eye out for those. Um, I'll get to be in a hotel room in Kansas. A majority of this week, I get to go down there and do some uh, cold calls for, uh, Wednesday through Friday, but then I'll uh, be back in the in the homeland here. But um, OU and Texas Red River rivalry. Um, OU's probably going to be favored in that game. I would nine and a half is early on. I saw. Okay, yeah, that's that's too much for me. I think I think that game will be closer than that. Um, Penn State at Iowa plus two and a half. Once again, I'm going to make Iowa burn me before, um, you know, burn me really hard before I I give them away. Um, especially with two and a half points in a night game at home against a it's a real heavy hitter Big Ten team. You know they're going to have a tough week at practice this week with the way they played. I expect them to come out and at least put up 20 points on a Penn State team. And uh, I think their defense is good enough to shut Penn State down, so you're going to give me two and a half points. I think that's uh, I think that's a, a good place to start here. Um, Florida, Florida at LSU, LSU minus four. I think LSU is more than a touchdown better than Florida. Um, Texas Tech at Baylor. I don't have a line yet for that one. Baylor's probably going to be favored by, I would say, probably eight and a half or so. Um, just 
just because of the recency bias with the way that they've played. But then again, with Texas Tech coming off that big win against Oklahoma State, they might get a, a little bit of a bump. So it might end up only being about five and a half, six and a half. But we'll see where that one kind of lands. Um, I, I would not be afraid to lay some money on Tech in that situation, given the way that they played um, against Okie State. But then again, they, they have this tendency to go on the road and ab- have an absolute meltdown. So uh, we'll kind of see how that line shakes out and where we want to land on that one. USC at Notre Dame is the last one I have written down. Notre Dame minus 10 early. Um, I don't know enough about USC yet this year, but I know that Notre Dame is is pretty good that I think that they're probably at least 11 points better than that USC team. So um, those are some those are some quick ones. And I'm going to come out with some three official ones on the Twitter, so everybody uh, everybody stay tuned to that here later in the week. Hopefully uh, Wednesday or Thursday I'll have some. And, and if uh, you guys have been playing right along with me, I think right now I'm uh, – with going two and one this week, I think I was ten and seven after last week's. So I uh, I'm I'm twelve twelve and eight. So uh, we're we're doing okay, but we need definitely need to pump those numbers up a little bit so so we can get some uh, get some more money in the bank. But um, yeah, so those are those are my locks of the week. Is there anyone that uh, is there any that you have there, Mister uh, Dutchman? No. <laughs> Texas will cover the nine and a half. Yeah, That's I, I think... That's the easy one for me. I just the way that game has gone the last couple of years. It's it's hard for me to see them getting blown out. I I still don't know if Texas, you know, Oklahoma hasn't been tested, hasn't played a good defense yet. So um, that for me, that one's still up in the air. I will not be surprised if Texas wins. No, I I won't either. But um, other than that, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm landing on college football stuff. What do you uh What do you want to throw? What you want to talk about anything NFL, MLB? Where are you at on some of that stuff? I, I'm I'm kind of. I don't know. I'm 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 wanting to find out what happens here with, with the Chiefs. We so. yeah, we got KC and Indy on right now. I think I had one. Uh, I had the over um, on this KC Indy game on a parlay that that went down the tube early this morning because the Giants apparently have no idea how to play against the Vikings. Um, I think the over this is the highest over of the year so far to be put on a game, and I think it's at like fifty nine and a half. So they're thinking there's going to be quite a few points scored in this one, which. As long as Travis Kelsey balls out, that's all I need. Yeah, did you so. see what's the score on our on our fantasy matchup here? I think last I checked, I was up by three, but I think Amari Cooper maybe gave me a little bit of a bump here and, and helped me out. Um, we're having a real slugfest here. I don't I don't know what the what the last point. To, I know it was like one fifty six to one fifty three. Right, right now, uh, you've got four points up on me, so. It's it's Cole one sixty seven Dan one sixty three. Well, this ESPN predictor has given you a ninety nine percent chance to win, so I don't know that I'd be too worried well, about. I it feel good. Well, back to my rightful place. So that's all I got okay, for Dan. this week, bud. So I yeah. don't know. I'm excited. Excited. I don't know. I think college football separation Saturday. There's gonna be a lot of. We at least see a couple top ten matchups. Things like that, and we've got an away football game. I'm going to be glued to the TV this weekend. It'll be good. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm a little bit excited for an away game here. It's it's going to be nice to be able to just sit on the couch and and actually evaluate and and look at look at the different games and the scores and the box scores come across and 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 really hone in on some of those some of those games because, like you said, the separation Saturday. This is going to be a a big week for some people, but this is going to kind of just be a, a college football only episode this week you know there's not much developing here in the nfl and the in the uh, mlb storylines we got all the cub stuff off our chest and hey nba preseason started though nba preseason i i am one of like four nba fans in the entire state of iowa so <laughs> i'm pretty excited for the nba to get going which i won't bore everybody else with that but i'll, I'll kind of come up with some quick little stuff here to for anyone who does care about it i know dan's way hey bigger. i think i think the nba actually could be interesting this year because 
you know, um, we're going to see, I, th- I think we'll see a little bit more parity. Lakers will be fun to watch with, you know, some new faces there. Golden State minus KD uh, minus, you know, Clay with a torn ACL. Um, I just think we could actually, don't wrong, we saw the Raptors win last year, and that's going to be a different new look team too. But NBA could actually be interesting this year. Yeah, LA's, L, the, the Lakers, I think, may be the f- fourth best team in California. Around the Clippers and Golden State, I mean, I, they're probably in reality they're gonna they're gonna click a little bit better here. I think right. LeBron got his fun year, like he took the year off last year and he played like a jackass. But <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna see some some more um, um, urgency on on the floor with Lakers teams this year, especially with Anthony Davis being there and they've got some other weapons and it, it's it's gonna be fun to watch. I'm excited to see what what Westbrook and Harden do in in Houston and. And they're gonna how quickly that'll melt down because they're not gonna get along for shit. So we'll see what happens. But no, other than that, um, but the only other interesting thing happened to me is I'm pretty sure the Breaking Bad movie comes out on Netflix this week. Yep, that's correct. So, El Camino, which is Spanish for the Camino. Four days, seventeen hours, forty minutes. So, but who's counting? <laughs> uh, but no. Well, uh, again, everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate all the support. Um, if you guys have any feedback for us, tweet us, you know, share us, retweet us on. Uh, on on Twitter, um, we're always looking for good suggestions. We're we're hoping that you're suggesting us to your friends who uh, who maybe are unfamiliar with myself or uh, Mr. Dan Harmson over here. But um, with that, um, I think we're gonna sign off for the evening here and 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 get ready for uh, Separation Saturday. And uh, yeah, go clones. Peace. A regular crowd shuffles in. There's an old man sitting next to me, making love. To his tonic and gin.